0: The following program is brought to you by Tower Keepers. Support your local CSN station.
1: CSN International presents To Every Man an Answer
2: Hi, and welcome to Monday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. We get together every weekday afternoon at this time, answering questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events. Also, what we hear in church on Sunday, is it even in the Bible at all? So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again, 8888 Ask CSN, stole free. We'd love to talk to you. And again, sometimes when we read our Bible, share our faith, Somebody asks us a question, or even we ourselves get a question as we study God's Word, that's why we like to make ourselves available. We don't claim to know everything, but we've been through the Bible many, many times, and I think we can give you a pretty good balanced answer of what that question you might have. Joining me today, special guest and featured CSN speaker that comes on about an hour and a half after this program is over, Turning Point Church, Jeff Wickwire from Dallas-Fort Worth. Hi, and Welcome.
0: Hello, Mike, and uh, my apologies if I sound like I'm a little bit in a cave, having a little bit of di- uh, tech difficulties, but uh, I'm sure you can still hear me anyway, and I- I'm going to try to work on it, but great to be with you, and I want to welcome all of the uh, to Every Man and Answer uh, listeners. I'm expecting, we're expecting some great questions today and starting off this brand new week. So many things in the news, Mike, it's amazing uh, what is going on in this country and around the world and not to mention this horrible disaster that happened in that high-rise condo just outside of Miami it just unbelievable seems like the reports unbelievable. yeah it's just you have to just wonder how does a, a the entire one half of a multi-story condo just collapse and um so you wonder did somebody set off A bomb or something in one of those condos. I don't think they know yet. But um, uh, as I just read, there's like 159 people still missing. And it's just a terrible, terrible, terrible situation. The hope of finding somebody alive is diminishing by the minute. And, um, you know, my church yesterday, we prayed for all of these poor people, um, the survivors, uh, anybody that might still be trapped and and, and alive. Yes, I can't uh, imagine the horror of such a thing. But it's one of those situations where you just look and, you know, you remember what Jesus said about the Tower of Siloam that collapsed. And they were wanting to know, Jesus, what did they do? Uh, what sins were in their life that this happened to them? Uh, apparently, they were worse sinners than the rest of us because this terrible tragedy befell them, and Jesus said, no, but unless you repent, you will perish likewise, and so just kind of pulling this tragedy into a biblical context, we never know, Mike, when our day may come, and Jesus said the the primary thing for any human being on earth is to get right with God, get right with God, Uh, repent, because those people woke up on that... That day, never dreaming that, uh, that it was going to be their last day or they were going to be in a tragedy like this. I, I read uh, one man whose wife perished in it had called him and said, for some reason, the pool is empty. And then the phone went dead. So, you know, we think of the words of Jesus, the people involved in, in this tragedy were not worse sinners than anyone else. Uh, Time and chance, the book of Ecclesiastes says, happens to us all. And uh, they just, they found themselves in a terrible, uh, tragic accident. And hopefully, uh, Mike, many of them were saved, were Christians. Uh, And the rest of us, you never know. So if you've never repented, uh, get right with Christ. Get right with Christ. Yeah,
2: well, that's why the Bible says today is the appointed day of salvation, and I really believe that's one of the reasons why we don't want to put off tomorrow what we have to do today, because tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones, 8888-ASK-CSN is the number to call if you want to be part of the program today. And we'll go to Lavana, Sacramento, California. Hi, welcome. Lavana, are you there? I don't hear Lavana. If you'll call us back, Lavana, are you
0: there? I hear Lavana. I I'm, hear you. I'm here. Oh there I'm you here. are. Yes, I can hear you.
3: Okay.
2: How may we help?
3: Okay. Can well I hope you can. Can you explain Matthew to me a little bit as far as uh, I believe it 's the Sermon on the mount you know i I feel like i 'm going through life and i 'm doing things right and i 'm being the best Christian I can be um not because I have to but because I want to now, but then I read some things in here, and it it just makes me feel like i 'm going to hell. It makes me feel like mm. i'm i'm and I know i 'm not good enough, I, you know I know that none of us are good enough but it, there are even parts in here where Jesus says, be perfect, or go be perfect. Can can you explain that to me?
2: <laughs> yeah, and our, our, the only perfection we'll ever have comes through him. And uh, again, I, I believe that much of what Jesus addressed there was to show people that the Ten Commandments was never meant to justify a man. It was meant to show him how desperately he needs a Savior. Your thoughts?
0: Well, and and the word perfect is uh, sort of one of the older translation words. It actually means mature. Um, and so in some of these cases, and uh, you didn't cite a verse, Lavana, but I know what you're talking about is in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus uh, says a lot, be ye therefore perfect as your father in heaven is perfect. Um, the word can mean mature and uh, grown up, spiritually grown up. And uh, so... There's that thought, but the other thought is that we are never seen as perfect through the eyes of God, except for the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and Jesus may have been intimating or uh, sort of setting the stage for when his blood was shed, and uh, you put your faith in him, then and only then are you viewed as sinless or perfect, because God now sees you through the lens of the blood of his, his only begotten son. So as soon as you and I say, Jesus, forgive me the very first time and Christ comes to live in our hearts, the Bible says God declares us righteous. And we are now being seen uh, through, in his eyes through the imputed righteousness of Christ. So that's where the verse comes in. Uh, He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So Jesus took our sins, paid our penalty, paid the debt we could have never paid. And then when we put our faith in him, his righteousness is literally imputed to us. Another way of looking at it is put into our spiritual bank account. Our bank account was impossibly in debt to God before christ we owed a sin debt that was trillions of dollars we could never have paid it off but when we place faith in christ all that debt is taken out of our own spiritual account and in its place is is put the righteousness of christ the imputed righteousness of christ so that actually we're rich you know you can be a christian and have next to nothing materially in this world but in god's eyes you are truly rich in your spiritual bank account because you have the righteousness of Christ. Mike,
2: Amen. And so, does that answer it for you, dear?
3: You know, just knowing that the word itself uh, is also translated to mature—that that that part really helps because, yeah.
2: Well, and, and and again, it's 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 this challenge that we find from Jesus to to really be what what we are in him, um, uh, not just in word only, but also in deed. And, and again, I think that this is one of the things that Jesus was saying, because see the Pharisees, they were saying one thing, but doing something completely different. And this was the problem. He says, do as they say, but don't do as they do. Uh, this was one of the problems because they were the principal influencers in the nation of Israel concerning spiritual things, and yet their, their words were, were there. Here, you know, here they're plotting, uh, Messiah's death. Well, they have the rolls of parchment on the wall right there. Isaiah 53, that he would be wounded for our transgressions, he'd be bruised for our iniquities, and, So having a form of godliness, but they didn't know, they didn't know God. And that's a real tragedy. So Jesus then compels those that really are seekers of the truth to walk in that love, just as our Father in heaven, uh, has extended that love for us. As Jesus said, love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit and love your neighbor as yourself. For upon these two hang all the law of the prophets. And so hope that helps, Slavana.
3: Awesome, it does, thank you so
2: much. Stay in line if you like, I'll send you out a couple of DVDs, really good. Uh, and when you get uh, Evolution vs. God, if you go to special features, there's another group of movies you'll find there as well. And then uh, um, uh, Evolution versus God, uh, this great video where a couple of uh, friends we know, they went out on the campuses of UCLA USC and started asking people about the teachers that are teaching evolution, where are the transitory and transitional life forms? Well, there aren't any. So basically, it comes down to a religion. And so it's really well done. And then also, God of Wonders, little book I wrote called Time to Grow, which I really believe, Levana, you really enjoy. And 101, Last Days Prophecies, I'll get those out to you. So God bless you. Stay online, we'll get you taken care of. Let's go to Jimmy, Fort Worth. Hi, welcome. Hey gang, how you doing? Good, how may we help? All right.
3: Uh... And you know, watching the news lately with the uh stuff going on in the Middle east again it's starting to look like it, it's starting to look like the the pieces are falling in place with that ezekiel thirty eight thirty nine war and it looks like it's happening real soon but uh how how are we supposed to deal with that? What if it really does happen within the next two years before the
2: Well, all all I can tell you, Jimmy, is the Bible says when you begin to see these things, look up, your redemption draws nigh. Jesus said that. And the reason why is that these things that are written in the scripture concerning prophecy aren't there to entertain us or to scare us to death. It's so that we can correctly discern the time that we're in. In other words, we understand the data at hand. And when we see that, as an example today, Joe Biden ordered bombing of Syria. That's a pretty radical thing and pretty far away from actually his party stand. So this is going to be some interesting changes that we see going on here. Your thoughts, Jeff?
0: Yeah, the Ezekiel thirty-eight, thirty-nine war, here's one thing we know for sure, it's never happened. Not in the history of the world has this war ever taken place. So it is yet to be fulfilled It will certainly be fulfilled as surely as we're sitting here right now. It will be fulfilled. It's prophecy from the Bible. Um, There's not a time period per se that is uh, um, placed upon it by Ezekiel. Uh, Really, the next two major events are the rapture of the church, prophetically speaking, the rapture of the church and the Ezekiel War. Uh, Whether or not they are concurrent, um, nobody really knows. Uh, we suspect that the Ezekiel 38 war will either happen before the rapture, because if it happened after the rapture, then the weapons that are going to be burned for seven years after this war would be being burned all through the tribulation period. And you don't find that anywhere in the book of Revelation or elsewhere taking place in Israel. So uh, it's either going to happen before the rapture, or somehow it figures into, uh, some people believe, after the millennium. I I personally believe it'll happen sometime before the tribulation. I wouldn't be surprised to get up some morning and turn on the TV or look at the news and see that a major, major attack against Israel has gone down, and that the players are Russia, Russia, along with a confederacy of other Middle Eastern Islamic nations. And, um, you know, it could happen. It could very well happen. So, though we don't know, Jimmy, uh, it is certainly uh, more than likely sooner than later. And so we all need to be looking up, because our redemption draws nigh.
2: Mike? Amen. And I hope that helps, Jim.
3: I was was thinking, because uh, if if the... If those countries, all those little pieces are starting to fall into place and at the same time as we can tell, who's ever out to destroy America now, they got a really good head start on us.
2: <laughs> well sure. And and you gotta realize that that um by just waiting, um all these foreign countries just waiting, America becomes weaker um and, and more demoralized every day. Uh, to the point where I think people could be taking over and people won't even do anything. They don't want to tear themselves away from their TV sets or even look in the street to see the uh, Russian army walking by or or whoever it might be. This is one of the things that's really disconcerting because uh, when we understand what our forefathers laid down to give us the freedoms that we have only to have the freedoms thrown in the mud and disdained by the Marxists that have taken over our schools, taken over our government, everything. Hey, they're alive and well. Uh, communism is alive and well, really, honestly, only in America. Uh, everywhere else it's failed. It's going to fail uh, eventually here, too. But, um, you know, Margaret Thatcher is who said communism works until you run out of everybody else's money. Well that's exactly what's happening and you got these guys in the in, in in government now running the printing press faster than the than the wheels can spin we're at 28.8 trillion dollars in debt they inconceivable said, and they said that this debt can never be repaid it is so staggering no country in the history of the world combined has ever been in as much debt as the United States is in so we're headed for rocks, there's no way around it, and um, one of these days, um, it, it's it's going to happen. And then I believe the new world order, the one world currency will will come to power. All these different things, but I believe right now, what is holding everything back from becoming a one world order is the Christian influence in the world today. Once I believe the rapture comes, the church is taken out, then I believe the devil can have his way with the world. The world will have what it always wanted, a world without God. And the Bible says, unless the days were shortened, they would destroy themselves. There'd be no flesh saved, Revelation chapter 16. So Jimmy, stay online if you like, send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Hope that answered it for you. We'll go to Albert, Carson City, Nevada. Hi and welcome. Hi, sorry. Let me just speaker.
3: Um, I have a quick question, actually, two. If I have a minute, the first one was with regards to Adam and original sin. Did we inherit Adam's sin or his sinful nature? Um, Because I know Catholics say that you inherit his sin. Okay,
2: your thoughts.
0: Well, we inherited number one the consequences of his sin, which were death. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 5 12, just as sin entered the world through one man. Now you got to catch that right off the bat. Sin entered the world. So how did it enter the world? Well, it entered the world through every human being born on the earth, uh, after Adam. So sin entered the world. It tainted, uh, every single human being and we are born with a fallen nature. Uh, but he goes on to say, and death, resulted from sin therefore everybody dies because everyone has sinned therefore as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin and death here it is passed to all people because all sinned so right there paul the apostle is letting us know that a because adam sinned death entered the human race and really the entire universe because not only did men begin to die But all of the creatures that God had created that were never meant to die um, began to die. So this horrible, terrible consequence of Adam's sin came into the universe, particularly earth, and that was death. But then he tells us that uh, all of us became sinners. Nobody has to teach men to sin. Uh, We don't raise children we, we, we don't have to teach children how to be bad. We have to teach their tendency to be bad. Uh, we have to teach them to be good. We discipline children for their tendency to be bad. They naturally sin. They sin with their mouth. They sin with their actions. They sin with their attitudes. They sin in their thoughts. So you see that early on um, from birth, uh, and the Bible teaches this, Children are naturally sinners. So the answer to the question is, we inherited a fallen nature, and we inherited the consequence of Adam's sin, which is we all will die. And until Christ comes again, death is going to be the name of the game for anybody born and any creature born. And I'm so looking forward, as all of us are that are Christians, to the return of Christ and because uh, Paul the apostle taught that Jesus vanquished the final greatest foe of mankind, which is death. And that vanquishing will be fully realized when Christ comes again and uh, brings in and ushers in his millennial kingdom and his wonderful righteous rule on earth, Mike.
2: Amen, so that's what we look forward to. And now you said you had another question.
3: Yeah, this one's a little more personal. Um, So I became a Christian a few years ago, at least I thought I did. Mm -hmm. Um, But I always found that I, well, my life is changing slowly, it seems. I always found that it, it feels like I'm doing a lot of things out of obligation, which I seem to be good at, but not loving obligation. Like I get frustrated at things that I feel like I shouldn't, like I should just be happy to let things go. I should be happy not to sin, and I feel like I'm frustrated and
2: sometimes, that I can't. And that, that bothers me quite a bit. Well, Paul says that as sinners, he was chief. I mean, he understood that even though he was born again, we still have an old sin nature that we wrestle with. And so Paul says, I beat the old flesh to keep it under control. Uh, it isn't well. I just live my life as a Christian. I kind of do whatever I feel like doing. Uh, that's not what the Bible says we need to do. the The Bible tells us that we need to um, um, put off the works of darkness. Otherwise, those things will begin to control us. And the the reality that we make uh, in our lives outside of God, uh, those are where our troubles come from. That, in other words, well, I I can do this. This isn't going to hurt me, and then it does. So I believe that, again, when God says don't do certain things or you need to do certain things, it isn't that God's trying to be mean to us. It's that God knows the ultimate consequence, just as you would look at a child and say, honey, you cannot eat candy morning, noon, and night for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and not expect either sugar diabetes or weighing 300 pounds or not having a single tooth in your head. Now, we know that because we know what it does. Well, the problem is a lot of the things concerning spiritual matters, we don't know what it does. And so if we don't get our thoughts uh, under control, if we begin to act on our thoughts, uh, we can find ourselves in a in a world of hurt. So, you know, well, I'm just going to give that person a piece of my mind. Well, the Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. Wouldn't it be a little bit smarter to just wait and not do that? You see, the thing is we, we, we were impulsive. Most of the time in our lives, even people that are well-controlled and and self-controlled, they still uh, uh, fly off the cuff. This is where the problems come from. The Bible says, where do wars and, and fightings come from among you? You see, the old sin nature is a powerful thing. And if we don't bring the old sin nature under control, it will destroy us. Again, it isn't that God's being mean, saying, don't do this because, you know, I don't want you to have any fun. It's that God's saying, I know what the consequences are if you do this, and they ain't good. So I really believe that when we turn it back over to God again, and when you said, well, I I, I think I'm a Christian, you either are or not. If you've asked Christ to come into your life, forgive your sins, yes, you're a Christian. That doesn't mean we don't struggle. We all struggle. There's never going to be an age of time, a point in our Christian experience where we don't. Our dependency is upon Christ and Him alone continually. Jeff, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, Albert, it Just I, I know we're headed up to a break, but quickly, uh, I, I seem to pick up that you were saying you weren't experiencing the joy of the Lord, uh, that you were feeling heavy, sort of uh, under a burden. And I would really encourage you, to pray and say, God, if I'm carrying some things I shouldn't be carrying, if I'm if I'm failing to bring my my worries, my concerns, my fears, my shortcomings, uh, my struggles, uh, my what is weighing me down? Psalms 55:22 says, "Roll your burdens upon the Lord, and He will sustain you." Uh, and then Paul wrote in Philippians 4. Cast your cares upon the Lord, he cares for you. Sometimes I've seen in my own life that if I'm feeling heavy and burdened down and sort of dragging my feet, that one of the causes can be, I just haven't spent enough time in prayer giving things to God. So I'm just throwing that out before we we hit the break, Um, just for you to consider and pray about, because I really do believe it's God's will for Christians to walk in his peace and in the joy of the Lord. And if one of those two or both are lacking, it's usually our fault, something we're not doing. It's certainly not God's fault. He's provided whatever we need to walk in that peace. So I would encourage you to consider that and uh, pray about it and see if that might be the case.
2: Yeah, and, and Albert, to go on, you know, Paul writing, he says that all of creation groans under the sin of man. Uh, this old sin nature that we inherited from Adam, uh, again, when we see children act the way they act, you don't have to teach a child to lie. They'll lie naturally. You don't have to, uh, uh, tell somebody to, 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 um, sash you back. The, 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 it's in the old sin nature to do that. So yeah, we inherited an old sin nature from Adam. But all of creation has inherited the rebellion from Adam as well, where the Bible even says all of creation groans under the sin of man. So hope that answers it for you, Albert. Yeah, thanks for your help. Albert, stay online. Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. Uh, great for evangelism. Lend them out to your friends. Get them back. Lend them out to your other friends. Always a good way to share Jesus with people. And so I just want to encourage you to uh, stay online. We'll get those out to you. And everyone, we are coming up on a break. When we come back, we'll have more to every man and answer right after this. We'll be right back.
4: Hi friends, Pastor Chapin from Calvary Chapel University with really great news for you. Calvary Chapel University is now fully accredited and we're in all 50 states. As such, we wanna celebrate with you. Calvary Chapel University is offering you a 50% off tuition scholarship on the very first class you ever take at CCU, followed by 25% off any class you take at CCU to complete your degree. That's right, 50% off your first class and 25% off the rest of your degree. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.com and apply today to get your 50% off tuition scholarship on the very first class you take at CCU, as well as 25% scholarship on the balance of your degree. calvarychapeluniversity.com. If sound doctrine's important to you, Skip is one of our faculty members, and David Guzik's on our board, and a student at CCU. Go to calvarychapeluniversity.com and apply today to get 50% off your first class and 25% off the rest of your degree.
1: CSN, the Christian Satellite Network, is broadcast on hundreds of stations nationwide. Including over 60 in California alone, you can listen in great cities like Bakersfield, Sacramento, San Luis Obispo, Santa Barbara, Yucca Valley, and many more stations throughout California and the nation. A full station list is available through CSNradio.com. You're listening to CSN International, where God's word is heard. Bringing you worship music that exalts
5: the Lord. Words and lyrics that lift up his name.
1: Reach to, trust in the Lord, be set apart.
0: Expressions of worship from
5: believers all across the world. Heavenly sounds of praise to the King. Right here on the Christian Satellite Network.
2: We want to welcome you back to part two of Jeffrey Every Man and Answer on this Monday afternoon. And with Jeff Wickwire, I'm here with Mike Kessler. We're going to go right back to the phones. And we have on the line Barry from Hawaii. Aloha.
1: I just have a question. I uh, I
5: was listening to Pastor Jeff. Uh, I think it was a little bit more than a week ago. Admittedly, I was driving and he was talking about uh, the flood and God destroying the earth. And then he uh, spoke to the, uh, I think, uh, to Peter, where it says that the earth is going to be destroyed by fire. Mm-hmm. But maybe I mis- maybe I misunderstood this in the sense that he, that uh, he said that it wouldn't be annihilated because when God made the earth, he looked at it and said it was good. Maybe just some clarity on that. Maybe I misunderstood
2: the whole thing. Well, God did make the earth good, dear. You know, um, and, and Barry, when we look at the way God made everything, it was perfect until sin entered. And the Bible clearly says that sin entered this world, death entered this world through Adam. Up to the time of Adam, there was no death on this earth. That's what the Bible says. And so when we understand that that sin that has perverted everything in this world. When we understand that uh, people um, love darkness rather than light, they 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 want to be in rebellion to God. And unless God um, borns uh, their spirit anew, and this is why Jesus said in John 3, marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again, because it's not within man to live righteously. And so because of that, God, in his great love, sent Jesus Christ. The Father sent Jesus Christ to this world that to die for us in our place, that if we would believe in him, we would not perish, but we would have everlasting life. And the Bible says we put on his righteousness, and that, at least for us, reverses the curse of death that is upon this world. But we know this world will end in ultimate destruction. The Bible says that it will melt with a fervent heat. And I believe that, again, just as God uh, cleansed the world the first time back in Noah's day, I believe the world will will find this again at the end of the thousand-year reign of Christ, where the Bible says he makes a brand-new heaven and a brand-new earth. Your thoughts, Jeff?
0: Yeah, and I appreciate you listening to uh, the program, Barry. And I, I was teaching out of Second Peter, did a series through Second Peter, and um, Peter talks about the flood and uh, how it covered the entire earth, and then in the very same chapter, se- Second Pe- Peter chapter three, actually, he says in the same way, the earth is now being uh, preserved by God, or reserved is is the actual word. For the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. And by the way, these are very somber, serious words. Because he goes on to say, the elements will melt with fervent heat. The elements being all material things will melt with a fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Very, very powerful prophetic prediction there from Peter. So he lets us know uh, exactly how this world is going to come to an end. You know, the evolutionists uh, tell us that everything is evolving into a better place, uh, that things are advancing and moving forward. And uh, if you really believe in evolution, then you believe that things are actually getting better and not worse. But the Bible gives a totally different picture that our world is racing towards two major events, the return of Christ and the judgment of all mankind for their sins. And um, there is going to be a time when the earth is going to be melted, literally dissolved. Peter says, seeing that all these things will be dissolved, what manner of people ought we to be? Now, we know that John the Revelator came along later and said in Revelation 21... Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no more sea. So there John is reaching even further into the future and letting us know that after everything has been dissolved, melted, uh, like, you know, like some universal thermonuclear explosion might do. um, Then God is literally going to create a new heaven and a brand new earth and From heaven, the new Jerusalem is going to come down out of heaven, like a bride adorned for her husband, and will set down on the new earth. And it will be an incredible, incredible bliss, beauty, splendor, glory, magnificence, you name it. There's not enough adjectives to describe what it will be like when all the sin has been uh, removed, when the devil has been thrown into the lake of fire, when there's no more corrupt flesh to carry men down into sin, when we are literally living with Christ forever in a perfect world, uh, what a wonderful day that will be. So I don't know if that answers your question, Barry, but I did teach that. I I taught it straight out of Second Peter chapter 3. And um the, the message to all of our listeners would be, are you ready? Are you really ready? Have you come to Christ? Because this world is not is not headed towards a better time, it's headed towards a terrible time, the great tribulation, uh the millennium, and then the great white throne judgment, where man, every man will answer for his sins before God. So the message of Second Peter is you better be ready.
5: Mike? Amen. And hope that helps, Barry. Yeah, thank you, Jeff, for clearing that up. No, as as I said, I was driving, and uh, what I got from the message, what I thought I got from the message was the earth won't be annihilated because I know the word says there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth,
2: mm-hmm.
5: that uh, it was just going to be restored to its old glory. And I thought, well, maybe I just misunderstood, and I clearly did based on your explanation now. So thank you for clearing that up. I really appreciate it. Right on. Barry, stay line if you Mary. like.
2: Send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. And you have to remember in all the beauty that we see in the world today, and certainly in Hawaii is one of the showpieces of the world to me for beauty. Um, and when you look at that, still we see this world in a fallen condition after the flood. Before the flood, it was even more awesome. And so when we look at it, we realize that when God makes a brand new heaven, a brand new earth, it's going to be really awesome. And this will be our eternal home. And then what's beyond the stars? What's inside the atom? I believe this is what God's going to show us, his greatness, his goodness, his glory forever and ever. And I believe that's going to take an eternity to do. Because when you stop to realize how wise our God is, how intricate, how he makes everything, how he thinks things through, wow. And to miss eternity for some silly thing in the world, boy, only a fool would, would trade away something that he can't keep for something he could never lose. And so that's why we wanna we want to continue to share the gospel with people, let our light shine, and Barry, God bless you. Stay in line, we'll get you taken care of, a couple of books, a couple of DVDs. With that, we'll go to Shane in Washington. Hi, and welcome.
5: Hello. Hi. I had a question for you regarding a couple of verses in Exodus. Okay. Uh, it's, a supposed contra- it's a supposed contradiction, and I know I'm just missing something, but. Basically, if you go to Exodus 20, verse 4, it's the second commandment about graven images. Mm -hmm. And compare that with Exodus five chapters later in 25, where they're given specific instructions about how to make the Ark of the Covenant. They're told in chapter 25, verses 18, 19, and 20, specifically how to make two cherubim to put on top of the mercy seat. So I'm just kind of curious to see what your thoughts are as to how you compare that with the second commandment, where it specifically says, Thou shalt not make any likeness of anything that is in heaven or earth.
2: Well, first of all, when we, 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 we stop to look at this, you realize that the, the uh, commandment there, um, uh, graven images, is in some way making a likeness of God. Now, it's always a deteriorated relationship with God when you have to make something out of plaster or out of silver or out of gold or out of wood and even cover it with with gold leaf or something to remind us of God's presence. That's what's so silly, I believe, about idolatry. And idolatry got so bad in the land of Israel that the Bible says, uh, the prophet says with one piece of, of, of you, you take a, a branch and with one piece of the wood, you'll cook your beans with it. And the other piece of the branch, you'll carve it into an image and worship it. The stupidity of it all, the foolishness of it all. And so it really, I believe, is not talking so much about angels there, but about really making an image of God, saying this is what God looks like. So whether it was the golden calf, or whether it's some grotesque thing that you see around the world today, even worship now. I believe, again, this is why those who worship God worship him in spirit and in truth, not pattern after the image or the thoughts of a man who carved that, that image, but rather after the spirit of God in who he tells us that he is. And so I believe that, again, this is where, where the Bible warns us about getting into a things carved, things made that represent God because it shows a deteriorated relationship with God. Because if you have a relationship with God, you don't need some kind of a piece of plaster or some carved trinket to remind me that God's around. Your thoughts, Jeff?
0: Yeah, and you know, when you study uh, Israel, just just through the Old Testament, um, they really had just this incredible weakness with idolatry. Uh, and of course, I believe all people have idols of one kind or another. If you don't worship God, I guarantee you you're worshiping something because God wired us for worship. But when you look at Israel, they were really hung up on the carved Im- images, uh, carving something out of wood, out of stone. And you'll note that in Exodus 20, uh, what God was trying to prevent them from doing is in verse 5. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. And that was what they did. They would would carve out an image of whatever, a a, a human being or an animal, something created, uh, and they would literally bow down to it and worship it and actually believe that this little figurine that they had carved was going to somehow help them. And so all through the Old Testament, you'll even see the prophets of God mocking this habit, uh, saying, you know, they have eyes, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. In other words, it's a rock. It's a a piece of wood. It can't help you. Why are you worshiping something that can't even talk back to you or hear you or see you? And then when you go to Exodus 25, where God is instructing them regarding the mercy seat, uh, he tells them to to create the golden cherubim, two of them, to put on top of the mercy seat. And he tells them in verse 22, there I will meet with you and I will speak with you from above the mercy seat from between the two cherubim, which are on the ark of the testimony about everything which I uh, will give you in commandment to the children of Israel. So there's something distinctly different about these cherubim, A, God is instructing them and guiding them to create them. But then he gives them what the purpose of the cherubim will be, that God literally spoke from between these cherubim and his Shekinah glory manifested between these cherubim. So God has uh, designated a really special purpose for these cherubim. Uh, there's there's no way they're going to be bowing down and worshiping them because the very presence of God is going to be manifesting Himself uh, between these two cherubim over the mercy seat, and of course the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant uh, that contain the Ten Commandments and all of that are so symbolic and so uh, so um, illustrative uh, of so many powerful truths. You know, mercy rejoicing over the judgment that the commandments brought and all of that. But the bottom line is, uh, Shane, that the cherubim were very, very different because that's where God chose to meet them over the mercy seat. And uh, so no way they're going to be worshiped. But in Exodus 20, he was simply instructing them, don't go creating wooden or stone idols that you're going to be bowing down to Uh, They will carry you into hell. They will destroy your life. But the cherubim, totally different, totally different purpose, totally different um, instruction from God.
5: Mike? So I hope that helps. Yes, thank you very much. Shane,
2: God bless you. Stay online. We'll send you out a couple of books, a couple of DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And with that, we'll go to Mike in Olympia Peninsula in Washington. (laughs) Hi,
5: welcome. Hello, hello. Hi. How many we know, I was, uh, this weekend I was going over Romans Great. and listening to Paul or trying to understand, uh, what he's talking about. Like we're born into sin. I go, how can we be born into sin? Uh, you know, too, you know, and then it, it kind of dawned on me what the original sin was disbelief. If you don't believe in God, you're going to sin. That is sin is your belief. Am I, am I wrong on that? Is that what? Well, that's part it? of it. But, but the
2: thing is, when it talks about we're born in sin, we inherited an old sin nature. It was through Adam that death came into the world. Now, you have to remember something. Before Adam sinned in the garden, they would have lived forever. So just as Adam died and all and Eve died, so that has been passed into the genes of every human being in this world. Now, someday we're going to get a new body, a body incorruptible that will never die. But right in the very nature, when you drive by a cemetery and you see all those headstones, you know that there's something intrinsically wrong with the lifespan of human beings. Now, David said about 70 years. Now, you might live older than that. Praise God for that. Some people say if you live older than about 70, you feel every joint in your body. Well, I know people that are 30 that can say the same thing who played football in high school. So when we understand that we have a body that is breaking down, we, we need a new one. But we inherited that death sentence from Adam and Eve. We also, it, the day that we ate of the, the tree and Adam ate of the tree, <clears throat> something died within him and is still dead in the world today. Jesus looked at Nicodemus, a religious leader, everyone. Religion won't save you. Being a member of a church will not save you. Keeping the church's creeds will not save you. Going door to door will not save you. Jesus said to a religious guy, uh, Nicodemus, he said, Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. Nicodemus was puzzled. Well, what do I got to do? Get back in my mom? And the whole thing, Jesus said, unless a man's born of the water and of the spirit, he'll not enter into the kingdom of God. Just as you had a water birth when the water broke and out comes the baby, there's a supernatural birth as well, just as dynamic as that, that changes a person from death unto life. And so this is where, again, we put on, as Paul says, his nature. We abandon our flesh. We say, okay, and as Jesus then taught those who would follow him, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is our prayer. Jeff, your thoughts?
0: Yeah, and disbelief is a part of it, like Mike said. But when you stop and think, what does sin do? It immediately separates you from God. That is really the the poison of sin. Sin immediately separates that's why we find God for the first time in Genesis uh, after Adam and Eve had fallen saying Adam where are you well that that very statement is filled with pathos it's it's filled with it it just it just screams at me that God was intensely aware of a separation Uh, where are you Adam and you know God's been saying that to the human race ever since he says to every human being that's never come to Christ, where are you? And I think every human being, every person listening right now across the United States, uh, if you don't know Jesus, you need to know that God is saying, where are you? It's a question you ought to ask yourself spiritually. Where am I? Where am I? Am I lost? Am I found? Am I dead? Am I alive? Am I blind or do I have sight? Am I headed to hell or am I headed to heaven? Where am I? And so we see that Adam's sin brought separation. Well, separation is also disconnect. Well, disconnect from what? Disconnect from the life and the power and the presence and the relationship with and of God. So that's what sin does. So when we're born, we're born disconnected. And being disconnected, that's how we're lost. Jesus said, the son of Man has come to seeking to save that which was lost. Well, what kind of lost? You know, lost in the woods? What is it talking about? Well, spiritually lost is the worst kind of lost there is. And you're lost because you're disconnected. You, you are not connected to the life of God. So when we come to Christ, the first thing that happens is the Holy Spirit from whom we have been disconnected Uh, comes to live inside of us. And for the first time in our life, we're alive, truly alive, because now God's life that was intended to be inside of us from birth has now come to live inside of us. And so Mike, that's the whole issue with sin. It's not just disbelief, but why do we disbelieve? Because we're disconnected from God. We're born with that fallen disconnected nature And part of that disconnected nature is to be filled with disbelief and rebellion against God. The Bible goes so far as to say we were literally enemies of God until we came to Christ. And
5: so I hope that helps
0: Mike.
2: Amen. I hope it does.
5: It it does. Um, Yes. And that's what I was saying is I, I, I believe what we're saying here is that if you disbelieve you're prone to sin, but if you believe and I think what happened with Adam and Eve is they lost sight of God's hope and promises. See? And that's what we hold on to now is the promise of what's to come. And they lost sight of that. So they complacency, I'm, I'm not sure, but um, they did. Well, Adam,
0: the Bible, the Bible says Eve was deceived, but Adam did, did it with his eyes wide open. Adam sinned against God knowing fully what he was doing. Eve uh, was actually deceived. She had believed the devil's lies. So you could say of Eve, yes, she began to doubt because Eve had to believe the devil's lies about God. He doesn't want the best for you. He's withholding things from you, Eve, like wisdom. He doesn't want you to be like him. And so he's, he's essentially Eve ripping you off. And she had to believe that. And she did believe it because Paul the Apostle tells us Eve was deceived, but Adam did it with eyes wide open. And um, being the head of the human race as he was, that is what plunged all of us into sin and, and into being born with a sinful nature.
2: Mike? Amen. And so I hope that helps.
5: It does, it does. So faith is your strength and is believing in God's promises. That's, that's the strength of your faith. So if you believe in that and then, like you say, in spirits living in you, in dwelling in you, so then, then as you go through, we believe in that, we believe in that hope and that's what gives us our, our strength to overcome. So am I, is that making sense?
0: I, I hear you, Mike, but let me just say, we're saved by the blood. Now, you're you're right in um, that we we do need to believe, faith believes and trusts in God. But the bottom line is, the minute you use faith uh, in a response to the gospel, it is the blood that saves you. It is the it is great. We are saved by grace through faith. So the grace of God comes our way amazing grace how sweet the sound saved a wretch like me we place then faith in the promise of the gospel that if we believe on him we will not perish but have everlasting life then we're saved then you live the christian life out by faith that's true but bottom line is it's the shed blood of christ that is saving us that has saved us and secured us for the day we go to heaven.
2: Yes, and Jesus raising from the dead, demonstrating and proving that he had power over death. There's nothing a dead person needs more than life. And the Bible says, until we come to Christ, we are dead in trespasses and in sins. And so we need to come to Christ. He then, because of our faith in him, rejuvenates us, gives us a new nature, and then as we walk in faith, God strengthens that and we have this daily walk with him which again is, I believe, encouraged so much by the daily reading of his word. I
5: hope that helps. It, it does. It does. So if I, if I believe that God can change me, then he can't.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. If you believe he can't, yes. uh, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And so God gives us the strength we need to overcome the things we know we shouldn't do. So this is why, again, uh, uh, the... Th- th- Jesus Christ, the author and the finisher of our faith. Any faith that I have is what He's given me, and that faith that He's given me, I want to act upon to really make it everything that God wants me to be for His kingdom, and to live as Christ, to die His game. Mike, stay online, and and uh, we'll get the get you some books that'll explain explain this a little bit further. A little book called Time to Grow really help you. Okay.
5: All right. Thank you.
2: Well, God bless you. And again, want to just encourage you and encourage everyone. Keep reading your Bibles. We're all out of time. Chris, Shannon, please call us back. We'll put you on first thing tomorrow. Jeff, thanks for being on the program today.
0: Good to be with you, Mike. We had a great time. It's the fastest hour in radio.
2: It's the fastest hour, period. It just flies past. But um, again, uh, Chris uh, and y'all, uh, that are on the phone right now, call back. You have first line, we'll we'll get to your call first thing tomorrow. Look forward to being back with all of you. So until then, may the Lord keep you in his love. Keep looking up, our redemption draws nigh.
1: God bless you, good night. To find out more about this ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226. Or write us to Every Man and Answer, PO Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho 83303. That toll free number is 1 800 357 4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian satellite network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station.
0: The preceding program was brought to you by Tower Keepers. Support your local CSN station.